Warning, this show has been known to cause certain side effects in listeners and participants alike. Symptoms include a positive outlook on life, wanting to try new things, and a renewed faith in humanity. Enjoy at your own risk. Hey there, and welcome to the I Like to Like Things podcast. I'm your host, Chris, and thanks for joining me. I don't think I have to tell you that the world can be a dark and scary place for us all, and I'm here to help you get through the miasma of that negativity one episode at a time. To accomplish this, I have a guest tell me about their favorite thing, and we get to share in their enthusiasm. The catch is, I'm not already a fan of their thing. However, if you didn't already know this, it's easy to like something new as long as you have an excited person explaining why it's great. And so, this podcast and all its potential positive feelings is born from that. So join me and my guest in beating back the darkness of this world by learning something new and enjoying the little things. And for today's episode, we have Vikram Baliga from the Planthropology Podcast. Vikram, how's it going? Man, it's good. How are you today? I'm great. Uh, this Your thing is actually fairly fortuitous. It's uh, It's very... It's germane to my my life coming up here, and I was really excited when you had signed on. Uh, but please tell everybody about the Planthropology Podcast, besides the fact that it's like the best named show ever. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for that. I mean, because I you know I made it up, and uh, so I appreciate the the uh, kind words about it. Thor said that all words are made up in uh, Avengers Endgame, so who's going to argue with Thor, right? Well, I, I sure wouldn't. I sure wouldn't. <laughs> so I'm actually a, uh, I manage a horticultural garden and I'm an instructor at uh, uh, Texas Tech University in Lubbock, Texas. And um, I started realizing that there were a lot of really smart people out there in this like plant and nature and climate and uh, ecology world. And there's, there's a lot of good shows out there talking about science and about the subject matter, but I really wanted to dive into the people themselves. And so, uh, planthropology is, is kind of like, uh, it's like plant and plants and anthropology. So I'm, I'm diving into this like human connection, mm. uh, to the world around us, the natural world around us. And so, uh, I've interviewed everyone from, um, soil scientists to water people to, uh, floral designers and and I've got some really cool uh, uh, guests coming up and and so it's it's been a lot of fun it's been a an adventure and a learning experience but it has taught me a lot and it's been it's been great wow I you are absolutely right though that there are a lot of very smart people out there in plant sciences and, and things like that but uh, you I've listened to your show and it's you make it about the human in it and it's not just about the science. It's about, and like you, like you said, you put it perfectly. It's about the human connection to the sciences. I think you do, you do a fantastic job. I think everyone really should check it out. Well, I appreciate that a lot. And and that actually leads perfectly into your thing. And so, so Vikram, what is your thing? My thing is. And, and you are a literal expert in trees. I think you'd, you'd message me that your master's thesis was in specifically olive trees, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I studied olive trees. Um, there's a, a, not huge, but a growing um, olive industry in South Texas. <laughs> That's a good pun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, the, pun, the puns come, come a million miles an hour. 
perfect. That's so great. So yeah, no, my if I could if my entire show could actually just be about plant puns, I would definitely do that. That would be my that would be plantropology if I could get away with it. <laughs> I mean, you're planting but, the seed. Um, right? You're planting the seed right now, and uh, growing your audience. And uh, yeah, and, and hoping it'll hoping it'll flourish. And hopefully they they leaf a review for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, see, the, we're gonna get along great. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so I there's a there's a, a growing olive industry in South Texas, and so when I started my master's, it was like, what do you want to study? And I said, well, I don't know. I'm interested in this, this, and this. And uh, my major advisor at the time was like, well, we have funding in this olive project and I said yes great I want to study olives that's perfect and so uh I I didn't know I cared about olive trees and uh but but it was fascinating and um we looked specifically at uh water use in olive trees and how like as a grower wow in this very dry climate in south Texas like uh how could they use less water in their crop and still make the same yield. And so how could they be more efficient with the with the limited water resources they have? That's so interesting. Be, uh, the, where I live too, I live in Bakersfield, California, which is in um, okay. Northern Southern California. And we have a very similar uh, uh, climate to, to you. We're, we're in an actual desert, but we also mm-hmm. are, are very high. Uh, our, our main export is, is agriculture. We, we, we sell, we do lots and lots and lots of food. And it's because of groundwater and things like that. So irrigation um, is like a huge part of my everyday life, uh, being from where I am. And so you, I love knowing that you absolutely understand it at a much deeper level than me. Oh, but you know, <laughs> uh, I think so. When you so olive trees, and so you're saying that you you manage uh, at the school. What is it that you manage? You said you managed. Uh, Right, so um, we have a uh, teaching greenhouse where we teach a lot of our like introductory horticulture and entomology and floral design and all kinds of classes in our department. Uh, so I manage that, but um, we also have about two and a half acres of horticultural garden, so kind of like a botanical garden around the facility. And so I oversee uh, the greenhouses th- themselves where we teach everyone from you know undergraduate, uh, non-majors to, um, you know, PhD students who are doing their own research and, and learning how to be real scientists. And so I kind of oversee things here and make sure the, the wheels keep spinning, so to speak, and that plants get watered and the lights stay on and, and all of that. Gosh. And, and so it, like you just basically just get to watch things grow and teach people how to grow all day. That's got to be incredibly fulfilling. Am I right? Man, it's great. It's great. And I'm, you know, I'm a, uh, you, you've listened to the show, you know, you know, I'm a big plant nerd and, um, I always have been since, you know, my, er- my earliest memories were, um, uh, working with my grandfather in the backyard at about, you know, two, three years old and planting vegetables and, and, oh, uh, picking amazing. apples and all that stuff. And, you know, I, I, I've done a lot of things. I started in engineering, I've uh, which lasted about a year, and realized I didn't like calculus, and you know that's a problem. <laughs> that's yeah, it would be a problem. It was it was it was challenging, and uh, so I, you know, w- when I was switching majors, um, an advisor was like, "Well, what do you like to do?" And I was like, "Well, I love plants," and so they got me into plants. I've run a landscape company, but <clears throat> um, my current job. 
of getting to do the the educational side of of horticulture uh and and tree science and water and all that and getting to train our next generation of nature lovers is is really i think the most fulfilling thing i could be doing i mean that's so important too it's it's teaching people about good stewardship of the land wow man you're doing that's that's some good work that's some really, really, really good work. I really enjoy it. And I had just done uh, the episode with Stacy, the, the gardening episode, and she was talking about growing food. And it has been one of the most fulfilling things that I've done other than raise my kids. But like, the, <laughs> uh, like, like but that's a, that's a growth thing, watching them grow. And, oh, and yeah. so, so, so you're saying that the love of trees and planting and things of that nature, uh, nature, uh, that came from you with your grandpa <laughs> and everything? Did you, did would you plant trees too, or was it mainly vegetables? We we did a little bit of everything. I remember um, we had this big apple tree uh, in, in our backyard growing up. My mom and I lived with my grandparents till I was about ten, and um, we had this big apple tree in the backyard. And I remember like building a tree house with my granddad. He was one of these yes. guys. Or he, he's he's still with us, but you know he's he's in his late eighties. He's kind of lost a step or two. But growing up, he was always one of these guys that like could build anything out of anything absolutely grandpas are the best uh, man and it like it may not have been pretty but it worked right <laughs> like it was uh it was like life sometimes i think and so i got to watch this tree grow and we built uh you know a ladder up it we built a tree house and and um so and, and we so we had this tree we had a, a cherry tree we'd always plant fruit trees and do all this stuff and and so like he uh he was a doctor actually for gosh 40 45 years um, wow it's actually got actually got his medical license uh in india before uh he and my mom and the rest of the family immigrated in the 70s and uh um but he has always loved nature and trees and plants and uh i think that's definitely where my love for it came from that's amazing he i obviously he knew it was going to be important uh to, to pass that along as well i just man grandpa's can be amazing can i yeah. can i ask a question that i hope you know the answer to what kind of apple sure. tree was it do you remember um, specifically i'm trying to remember uh, I'm trying to remember. I want to say it wasn't like that was a funny thing is the apples were never really that good, but that didn't really matter. <laughs> I, I, I think it was like a Macintosh or something. Okay. It was like a green apple that would like turn red four seconds before it fell off the tree. So you better be there to catch it or, you know, uh, but, you know, and then he liked to cook. So we'd make pies and we would do all kinds of stuff. And so um, I think what I learned from that is that. Uh, a tree can be so much, right? Oh, it can wow. be yeah. a, a source of food. It can be a source of shade. We would watch birds build their nests, and 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 I'm actually like almost getting emotional talking about this now. But like, I fe- I'm feeling uh, it. I'm feeling it too. This is this is really getting to me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like and like watch the squirrels play in it, and then it can be uh, a place for adventure as we build tree houses. And um, you know, one day we we finally this tree died. I think it got. Um, so something you probably should know about Lubbock is we're are, we have we're like this it's like the windiest place in the universe, um, and we get <laughs> okay. big winds windstorms and ice storms and stuff sometimes. And uh, I remember one one year I was probably oh maybe twelve years old, and um, this tree like half of the tree blew down. Right, this this uh, big ice storm came through with big wind behind it and it broke in half and. Uh, after all these years, we finally had to cut this tree down, and 
I, I remember being so sad about it. Yeah. Like being so because because it was absolutely yeah. It, it was it was such a big part of my life, and he was like, you know what, that's okay. We'll plant another one. And uh, th- again, that that if it and I and it's funny because I'm talking about this and maybe realizing some of it almost for the first time. But that one tree taught me just so much about life that like. Yeah, things end, but then new things begin, and uh, oh man, yeah. uh, there, there's a lot that goes with. It. There's there's a lot to unpack there, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm cheering up, bro. I really am. I'm cheering up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it it's reminding me of the like. I, it's making me think of like the book, The Giving Tree, in in, in some aspects. Remember the Shel Silverstein book, and yeah, and and like the the like nature of of, of destruction, but then regrowth at the same time, and um yeah i mean you'll never i'll never look at a tree again the same way now i mean we we had an apple tree growing up in our backyard as well that's like i'm really forming a connection here with you and it was a granny smith apple tree is is Mm -hmm. and so i i can't really eat any other apples other than a granny smith apple tree there's a there's one called a pink lady that's here and Mm -hmm. and i think it's a cross between granny smith and something else you could probably tell me um, if it is, but I don't. Yeah, 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 something like that. Yeah, and and so it, it's that's the only other one that I can really eat, <laughs> but I can't even touch a red delicious. <laughs> I can't even touch a red delicious because like it just tastes mealy to me, and and I know that's like the quintessential apple, but for me, an apple is a Granny Smith apple, and that tree should not have bloomed where we were at. It was in like almost no dirt with no water, no anything, <laughs> but every year. It, every year we had Granny Smith apples, and my mom would make uh, they would make apple little tiny apple pies, um, like empanadas. Basically, is what they would look like, and they would be like yeah. the size of my palm as a kid. And yeah, it was just a wonderful, wonderful moment uh, every year when we got to pick the apples. So, would you say yeah, like, absolutely? This is going to probably be a funny question. Would you say? apple trees are your favorite trees or is it all trees like what's your favorite tree i mean that's that's a deep question right there oh i i have a favorite tree for sure that's not even a hard question and oh it's, good it's neither of those actually yes <laughs> it's so there is a tree um that grows in the mountains of uh northern colorado and montana you'll find some in in, in california even called the bristle cone pine oh they're gorgeous and you may have heard of these yeah they're gorgeous yeah absolutely and, and they're so interesting, right? So these are um, what we consider to be right now the oldest individual organisms on the planet. Um, and the the oldest one is a tree called Methuselah. And they don't nobody knows where it. Well, that's not true. People know where it is, but they don't publish where it is because they don't want people like I'm going to go get a piece of bark or I'm going to go, you know, put my hands on it or carve my name in it. But this tree is over five thousand years old. Okay, I've heard of this before. And is is there another tree called like Hyperion that's similar? Like it's the tallest tree, and no one, no, no one, like only it's very secret. Or am I just yeah? Okay, making that up. Okay, cool. I've heard of this tree. Oh, no, no, you're right. You're right okay. for sure. Um, and the, and there's a lot of these like named specimen trees that uh, you know the Forest Service knows where they are and researchers know where they are, but they don't tell the public because. You know how we are as people. Uh, we would, we would want to go. We would destroy it. Yeah. Absolutely. 
it, and so, but but these trees they grow so slowly, and so even a 5,000 year old bristlecone pine really isn't that big, you know, in in the grand scheme of things. Right. Um, and they have they have this weird twisted growth and this like super dense bark, but uh, you just you think about it, and so Methuselah, this tree, and and the other ones in this bristlecone grove, when early people were taking their first footsteps on this continent uh these trees were already old yeah right they have yeah they have you know you think of five thousand years and what that means in human civilization and it's almost like all of it right like you look at recorded history recorded history yeah absolutely (laughs) absolutely yeah wow yeah And, and these these trees were already there that I, I, we've seen them. We we take a drive to Montana every every summer, and we do sometimes cut through uh, little bits of Colorado uh, and little mm-hmm. bits of Idaho, and of course we go through Northern California to get there. But uh, we've seen them in in Montana, and they look like something out of Lord of the Rings, and that's always what we see. And they're just they're magnificent to look at because they're yeah. They're, they, yeah, they look like, yeah, they look like something out of a out of a sci- uh, fantasy novel, and they're amazing. They're like this living anachronism. They're literally uh, like the ancients of our world, right? They're the, they're the things that, uh, you know, if if a tree had memory, you know, if a, t- oh, a literal wow. memory, like you yeah. can you you can look at you can look at the rings of a tree, and and tell quite the story from it, but. Like if if one of those trees could talk, just the the things that they've seen come and go, and the uh, the the evolution of this planet, and uh, uh, it would be quite the story to tell. So so what made so with this bristlecone pine? Like was that just part of your when you were uh, doing your schooling? Would that was that something that like was that was learned, or did you know that as a kid, or is, was that a more of a recent thing of you um, having a love of this? It's kind of funny. Um, I okay, so um, there's this musician named Trace Bundy, and uh, I, I'm a guitar player too. And and so learning to play the guitar, this guy's like a phenomenal guitar player. It's just like you know, very percussion based, just instrumental kind of stuff. And awesome. he's got this si- this song called Bristlecone. And I, you know, I probably heard the song for the first time when I was like 14 years old, and I had no idea what a bristlecone pine was. So I started looking up the song to try to figure out how to play it. I, I cannot. I'm not that good. Uh, but <laughs> um, you'll get there. You'll get there. Uh, you really. You will. Yeah. Yeah. One day. It, and so um, I started looking into this tree, and and for whatever reason, I had it's maybe because I love the song so much or what, but I had this like instant just fascination and i just kind of fell in love with this plant uh and and, you know this was you know years before i knew i was going to be nerdy plant guy that that you know hosted a nerdy plant podcast but uh but just this instant connection with it i don't know what it was but i i kind of you know at 14 years old got on the the early days of the internet where everything was still dial up (laughs) and all that and right i'm 36 how old how old are you i'm 32 yeah, so you you get it. You, you know what the, yep. the dial up the oh man, kids these days oh, yeah. will never know the struggle. <laughs> yeah, you need like nine floppy disks. Uh, for, for example, a floppy disk is the save so, icon. Right. 
Yeah, why is the why is that disc? That's so funny. I well, I just looked yeah. up Bristlecone on Spotify. It is the second we get off of recording, I'm going to listen to it instantly because if it inspires that much love of something, oh, it's fabulous. Yeah, Bigger, you were you were laying down some emotional beats here, man. Like there there is so much <laughs> connecting to these things. Uh, one of the okay, so I was ridiculously excited to ask you a few questions. I hope you don't mind. Like normally, I let people talk. No, I have so sure. many questions for sure. And okay, so we are going to. I I just finished uh, running irrigation to the uh, part of my property. I live on some acreage, and I I'm, I have spots right now slots for eight trees to be able to be planted, and I want them to be fruit bearing. And uh, I, I want basically want a little mini orchard. I have spots that I can start adding on to it, but I will have like dedicated water for eight trees. And so what are some fruit trees that I can plant that I don't need to plant two of them for? Because I know that that's a thing, right? That you need, sometimes you need to have the male and female. Are there any of the fruit trees that other than like bugs pollinating? Because we have a lot of bees in our area. So I know I'll have uh, like we, ha and, I, and I'm gonna, I have a bee box. So I will have that type of pollination happening. But what are some trees that can I can just plant one of? Or is that not even a thing? Oh, it, it, it is a thing, and um, for sure. And so, you know, I, and, and now, now that you say that, my mind's like, uh, I've never seen a tree before. I don't know. <laughs> um, I forgot everything I've ever known ever. <laughs> right. I've, I've only studied it for 14 years. It's no big deal. It's just gone forever. Um, <laughs> I don't want to no, put you on the uh, spot. I don't. I, I hate doing that. But yeah, sorry. No, no, no. It's fine. So there's, uh, you know, you can grow apples. You can grow pears. Um, a lot of Ooh, them pears. will, um, you know, self pollinate. Um, you can grow peach trees. That's that's actually my family has a little peach orchard. In oh, there. really? Um, they're self pollinated. That that's awesome. I love peaches. That's a that's great. That's great news. <laughs> that's great. Well, and and so so they self pollinate. So like with peach tree, you don't even need pollinators which is weird and you know it, people don't think about that but like the tree will pollinate itself really and so okay. you know yeah they bloom and even if you didn't see a single bee come through there they would self-pollinate and you'd still get peaches now with pollinators and one of the reasons that you know obviously bees are important right we need yeah, them to pollinate right pretty much everything uh, but you get yields, yield increases of anywhere from like 15 to 30% with good cross-pollination and all of that. But okay. um, there are several trees that, that you can, and, and I'm drawing a blank a little bit. I don't know why, but I, I can send you a list later. <laughs> oh, love, no, that's great. That, that's awesome. Yeah, because like I was, I just want to get the mind turning. Like you just said apple, pear, and, and peach, literally the three ones that we want, three of those we wanted to plant. So that's great. No, perfect. But it, what yeah, it was is I just didn't want to have, I, I know a lot of people that will plant multiples of one tree thinking that they would need all, but then they get more fruit than they could ever eat and then they have a massive mess. And so I don't want that to happen and I would like to have a, a nice variety. Uh, but, yeah. okay, how, okay, this is like one. Avocados, is that one that I would need to plant more than one of? Or or it just like right off the top of the bat? If you don't know, that's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no, so I, I actually do know about avocados. Yes, are... my man! This is great! So, but but to, I hate to burst your bubble. Oh, uh, no. Avocados may, may have one of the most complicated uh, pollination sequences of any tree I've heard about. Aww. So there's... Nah, there's, I'm bummed, there's, but keep going. 
I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> so each tr- each tree has male and female flowers on it. They're, they're not the okay. same flowers, but they're both on the same plant. Really? Um, oh wow. Yeah. Okay. But there's there's two types of avocados. So, and it's it's evolutionarily to, to uh, you know ensure cross pollination or whatever. So on uh-huh. like, and I'm gonna get these backwards. But on the A type. The male flowers open in the morning and shed pollen, and then the female okay. flowers open in the afternoon, so it can't self-pollinate. And then on the B type, that's flipped, so the female flowers are open in the morning and the male in the afternoon. So they like necessarily have to cross-pollinate. Um, oh, and so okay. like even just having two avocados is not enough. You have to have like an A type and a B type. Super complicated, which is probably why avocados are so expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that makes total sense. That's the most interesting thing I've ever heard ever. And I now will guarantee you we, we will not have avocados at our house. Okay, so avocados are out. Because that is true. It's like, man, I, I hate yeah, so spending much work. $10 an avocado. And I mean, living <laughs> living in California, like avocado is required, uh, required at every meal. Uh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. It, it's the law. Oh man. Okay. So other. So now I want to talk about olive trees because my parents have an olive tree in that we bought them 12 years ago. Me and my wife. We bought them 12 because mm-hmm. we always buy my dad trees, uh, and, and that's kind of like we just. I just got him a blueberry plant, and it's a pink, pink lemonade blueberry plant mm. is what it, what it is. And then so we always get him uh, plants. And, and that he he'll plant around his property because he's on property as well. So they want to start doing olive oil from their olive trees. Mm-hmm. And the thing we kind of had like an argument is a very strong word, just like a discussion. Does he need <laughs> to like? It's not an argument, but like with dad, sometimes it is an argument. You you know how? Uh, oh yeah, like, yeah, it, sure. It, oh, I do. Yeah. And uh, does he need to remove the pits before he does any? Um, crushing slash squeezing of the olives to make the olive oil no that's a great question actually no they normally crush them whole really and, um, okay that's what i said yeah i said that and he said no okay cool yeah like so for, throw for that what in his I've face seen dad now, <laughs> uh, unless there was like a big a big like gap in this like process that i missed which is certainly possible it's been you know, almost 10 years, but, um, so, uh, m- most of our Texas olives are grown for oil production. It's a very high value crop. And yeah. so I-, I got to go down, um, when I was doing my master's for the, uh, Texas olive harvest, uh, festival thing. And That's so awesome. we went down and we got to, we got to follow the tractor going through the field, harvesting the fruit. And then they pretty much take it straight back to the barn, uh, and run it through the crusher and the pasteurizer and all of that. And so, um, you know, there's all these different like grades of olive oil. There's uh, virgin, extra virgin, all of that. Um, so that's really based on the amount of time from the time the olive is picked from the tree to the time it's crushed in oil. That's where the virgin and extra virgin and comes from. Like it's it's the olive uh, the olive storage time the the time between being picked and crushed is where you get so. If it's right off there, that's going to be the extra virgin and virgin olive oil. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. The faster it gets into the press, the better. I've always wondered that. The thing that's healthy in olive oil are these polyphenols. It's phenolic acid. They call it um, uh, olea europin or something like that. Um, And as soon as it comes off the tree, it starts breaking down. Like as soon as it does, Uh, it starts oxidizing and breaking down just because of the, the biology of the olive. 
So the faster they get it into the press and get it pasteurized, the more of those polyphenols uh, they can lock into the olive oil. And okay. so that's why, like, you know, extra virgin olive oil is considered really the healthiest olive oil because it's got all of these chemicals in it, these compounds oh. in it that are good for you. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I've always wondered how that how I what my my first thought was like when the oil it maybe it, like it separated in the vats and like the stuff that was rose to the top. I don't know. I, I don't. I right, didn't know. Yeah. So now I do. <laughs> And knowing is half the battle. Does anyone ever oh, yeah. call you Professor Sprout from like from Harry Potter? Because that would and that would be pretty awesome if they did. You know, I don't know that I have ever been called Professor Sprout specifically, but um, uh-huh. I, when I teach, a lot of times my um, my students will call my class Herbology. Yes. And, uh, yes. Yeah. And, uh, I've I've I haven't tried to talk them out of that yet. I'm definitely into it. So. I wouldn't. No, don't do that. That's, that would be nerd. a bad thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. We just came back from um, Wizarding World of Harry Potter, so it's like was in my. You go through the herbology department to get to one of the rides, and so that's oh, that man. was just fresh. This is fresh in my so, fresh in my mind. Oh, I'm pretty jealous actually. So I actually just um, I have a I do some woodworking on the side, and and but I yeah. was just at our our local Comic Con. Uh, we have a, an event called Lubbock Con, and I set up a vendor booth and made like nerdy stuff. Um, and I actually did a uh, live panel and a live recording for my show there, and I talked about um, plants in plants and nature in sci-fi and fantasy series and in world building and all of that. And, Bro, that's uh, awesome! That's amazing! Uh, yeah, it was, I it would. Was so, it was so much fun. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so, fic- so in fiction, what what do you think is like the coolest plant or tree? Like, 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 because oh. I'm I'm trying to think of some. Like, I'm thinking of Avatar right now. I love the the plant life in Avatar. That was probably like the main draw for that entire movie. That's the first yeah, one that comes sure. to mind right now. And, and like the soul tree, I, you know, I've always been partial to, um, and maybe not one specific one, but like the trees and the the flora in uh, Lord of the Rings. Absolutely. Um, uh, Tolkien, yeah. Tolkien was actually a huge plant nerd. Uh, he was a nature lover for sure. And so you look at like the Ents and um, that whole scene where they go um, and yeah, like, Fanghorn attack forest. Saruman and Orthanc. Yeah. Uh, and uh, because they were destroying the forest. And that was like political commentary at the time about the industrialization of Europe and how he was seeing the European countryside be turned into factories and things like that in the 1930s. And um, so he was a huge plant lover. And so I've always identified with that series in part because of that. Uh, I mean, Victor, you just became my best friend, man. Like, like all you're doing <laughs> is just speaking my language. The scene, the, the scene when tree, tree beard comes out of Fangorn forest and he's looking at the, the, the hills of Isengard and he just roars into the stratosphere and all the ants come swarming out. It still so gives cool. me chills to this day. I'm I'm sitting not 10 feet away from the, the Alego Tower of Orthanc with Treebeard knocking at the door. So like- That's so like, awesome. And I'll, I'll send you a picture. I, uh, oh gosh, now I just wanna just think about like pod plants and things like that. Yeah. Oh man. 
no, I, I was just going to say, like, one of my favorite scenes, not from the movie, but from the novels, is at the end of, um, and spoilers for those of you, I guess, who, it's been who out for 50 or 60 or more years. You, yeah, read. come on. <laughs> yeah, go, read the book. Um, go, go read it. If, yeah, go go for it. Yeah, that's if good. You're, if you're that late, if you're that late to the game, I'm sorry, but uh, no, there's a, there's a beautiful scene at the end of Return of the King, and uh, where so Sam's gift, and Sam's the best character. He's the hero of the series. Oh, for sure. If if, if I had sons, if I had sons, their names would have been Samwise Gamgee Brayton. Like it's without a doubt. And my wife said that that would have happened. We don't have sons, but like that was gonna happen. <laughs> so Samwise Gamgee awesome. Brayton. Was going to to eventually run for president and rule the world with with yeah you know, rule rule America with a fine and just hand. So Absolutely as, as, yes. Yeah. But but he his gift from from Galadriel is this box of um, of soil from uh, Lothlorien with a seed yeah. in it. And after he they get back to the Shire and they see that the party tree's been cut down and Saruman has again turned it into this industrial place. There's this beautiful scene of him walking through the shire planting seeds and sprinkling some of this soil in it and right. it's this perfect wrap up to this series of you know which is very much about nature um right. of him repairing all the wrong that has been done and that's kind of like the exclamation point at the end of it where mm-hmm. he replants this party tree and all these other things and it's i don't know i i i really get excited about all that no it, it's one of the only things that i wish that they i i you know, i'm gonna nerd out here I'm glad that they actually got rid of the scourging of the Shire in the movies. It, it always yeah. felt, um, uh, but I that was actually the thing that always bummed me out is that they didn't talk about basically like they planted uh, elven soil in the Shire and it's and mm-hmm. and sprinkled that out and I because it is very much about loving nature in in, in the whole the entire series. Uh, okay, so before we sign off, I have one last question. Like for anybody that wants to plant a tree. Like, what are, like, the basic tips for planting, like, any tree? Is it, it like, what like what are something that, like, it, you absolutely need to do? Other than just plop it in the ground and have water. No, that is a that is such a good question. Um, I'll tell you, the fastest two ways to kill a newly planted tree, and okay. I'm, I'm not talking, like, from seed, but, like, transplanting a tree in the yeah. ground, yeah, 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 is, yeah. is planting it too deep okay. and overwatering it. Really? So, yeah, okay. so trees need need oxygen at their roots and so if you just like they used to say the deeper the better right and like in the 70s they would say yeah just dig a deep hole and stick it in there it's fine um but if you look at a tree in nature they're not like telephone poles right they have this big root flare um, right and they kind of taper they start really wide where you see those main buttress roots and then they taper up towards the crown of the tree um so as you're planting a tree you've got to look for that root flare and even on a small tree you can find it um, so if you, you know, have one in a container or whatever, you kind of dig down and dig through that top layer of roots and soil till you find that root flare. And you want to make sure that is planted at or just slightly above ground level. Okay. Okay. Um, you want to expose that to oxygen. Um, 
and then because otherwise your your roots don't get the oxygen they need they can't grow fast enough and then the tree won't establish and even if it does survive it'll grow super slow so plant the root flare at or above ground level and the root flare it, it just for in my layman i always called it the ball is that would that be kind of correct and like when i'm looking at a tree it's kind of like this like almost ball like right there at the base of the tree correct so like it like not exactly a ball, but that's always what I've called it. Yeah, yeah. So that that's that's maybe not a bad way to look at it, but you'll just you'll start to see where it starts to taper, like okay. where your first two like main roots start to kind of flare out or or taper out just a little bit. And it's kind of hard to describe just just over the uh, you know podcast, but um, uh, but that is so essentially if you look at your like if you buy a tree in a, in a pot in a container. Uh, mm-hmm. Make sure at least the top of that soil line in the container is at about the, the level with your field soil. That okay. that's a, at least a good rule of thumb. And then the other thing is if you overwater it and you keep like it, the hole just full of water all the time, it's the same issue. Like you don't get oxygen to the roots, and uh, so you want to water it fairly well the first six months, but uh, give it some dry down time in between watering. So you water it heavily wait a day or two uh unless it's like you know 110 degrees in the summer um and then which you maybe is. water a little bit more <laughs> which it is yeah here. it is here too it is yeah uh, so you get it yeah yeah oh i do <laughs> uh so so water enough but don't overwater, um and don't plant it too deep and, and both for the same reason that you'll starve those roots of oxygen i mean that's so simple but yeah i mean i wouldn't think about that ahead of time Gosh, Vikram, you've given me so much info, man. I really, <laughs> really, really, really appreciate it. I actually don't want this episode to end. I wish we could talk for like ten hours, but I don't think the listeners <laughs> I don't think the listeners would like that. But um I would like that. So uh let's let's be friends, man. Let's like let's legit be friends. Uh, I'm down. <laughs> So this episode may be coming to an end, but the work is just beginning for all of us, actually. Vikran has given us uh, the uh, seeds that are going to uh, grow the knowledge that we've uh, started right here. And for the response edition of this episode, me and Elise will report back to you after we've spent the entire week taking as much of Vikram's advice as we can fit into that time. Obviously, for this one, there might be some growing time like we did with the gardening episode because it's not like we can't plant a seed and then have a tree the next day or even plant anyway. Uh, there's there's going to be some some lag time in this one. Now, if you uh, have like taken uh, his advice or you have some knowledge you want to add to it, please uh, contact us. You can... Call, uh, you can contact us on the like line at 661-279-0130. You can tweet at us or message us on Instagram at like2likethings. That's the number two, like2likethings. Uh, you can also email us at I like to like things podcast at gmail.com. And of course, you know, I'll read or play any messages that add to the conversation if they're positive. We always talk about positive fandom here and um anyone that's a big fan of trees i don't think is going to be in the negative on this so we're, we're we're i think we're pretty safe there you can also support us via patreon at patreon.com slash i like to like things we can join people like mandy gerald paul Galindo, and morgan now uh vikram where can people find you uh and your show uh all over the place uh so you know we're on all the the major podcatchers and all that you can find us online at planthropologypod.com i'm on um instagram facebook and twitter uh the handles drift just a little bit because apparently someone <laughs> was also clever and and took that name before me i'm still working on that 
Uh, but just search for Planthropology and look for the green background with the white tree, and you can find us. And then we also have a fun um, Facebook group called Planthropology's Cool Plant People on Facebook. And so uh, j- join in there, and we have some fun conversations about plants and other nerdy stuff. Oh, that's great. Uh, Vikram, thank you so much for sharing all of your just knowledge, your emotions, your stories. This this is a fantastic episode. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. No, thanks for having me. And I will see you all next week when the mission is accomplished. And remember, we can make the world a little brighter, a little friendlier, and a little more enjoyable by liking a few more things. <laughs>